We are continuing in our series in the book of 1 John. So if you have your Bible with you or your electronic device, whichever it is that you have, but you really do need to have yeah. a Bible that you call your own, that you can work your way around and become familiar with. We're in the, the book of 1 John. It's towards the back of the Bible. You need a paper Bible, too. Yeah, paper Bibles are still... You're going to need one in case they just decide that they're not going to allow that Bible to be on the Internet. We're going to be in Chapter 2. We've been in this series now for probably about three weeks or so. There are only five chapters in the book of 1 John. It's written by, we've been saying this week by week, but just so that we remember, the book we're reading was written by the Apostle John. He was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. So he knew Jesus very well, walked closely, intimately with him. He also wrote the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. He wrote the, the letters 2nd and 3rd John, which are just two short little books right after this one. And he wrote the, the book of Revelation, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, and so John, again, was very familiar with who Jesus was. Uh, and, and when and a person uh, gives their life to Christ... Becoming acquainted with the Word of God, reading the Word of God, and I'm going to grab my Bible here, uh, is really vital for every believer uh, because it's through God's Word that we f discover how to find everlasting life through Christ. That's pretty important, isn't it? Yeah. You know? And we begin to understand as we read the Word of God who he is yes. and what his character is like and what he's doing in the world. Like this Bible is a book of God's story to people, to you, to me. And so it's important that we understand the big story that he's telling. Uh, and, that, and he has a plan and purpose for your life. I remember how astounding that was to me the first time we began to read that in the book of Ephesians. Like, a plan and purpose for my life, and not just my life, but your life, everyone's life. That's right. Uh, but reading, telling people, standing up here and saying, you, you should be reading the Bible, can sound like, if you've never read the Bible, a pretty daunting task. How many of you at first were like that? Like, huh, where do I begin? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I often recommend First John to yeah. people to begin because it's short, it's doable, five chapters. But in those five chapters, it really reveals things that especially revolve around what it means to be truly saved. Yes. Or to be born of God. And sometimes this becomes a big issue uh, in the mind and heart of a person. Like, after they give their life to Christ, it's like, we say, old things have passed away, all things are new. And sometimes it feels like, what, I, I still look the same, like... Am I really saved? And if, at times, if you've doubted your salvation, you're not alone. Right. It's actually many Christ followers would, would admit that they have experienced times where their faith wavers. And, and the enemy kind of whispers that mm -hmm. causes you to doubt. You're probably not even born again. You're, you probably don't really even know God. And so John makes it clear in these first in these five chapters that his purpose in, in writing is so that we can know yes. that we have eternal life. That we're not meant to live in some perpetual state of doubt. Because if you just live in that state of doubt, you never really can go forward. You're always just, oh, no, I don't know. We have to know that we're saved. Come on. We know we're on the path, and then we get started. Um, and so he writes that in 1 John 5.13. 
we'll look at this eventually because this goes forward. We're not there in that chapter yet. But he says, these things, this is John, 1 John 5, 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We should have that on the, that should be on the PowerPoint back there, yeah. 1 John 5, 13. I hear pages turning yeah, this week that everybody good, yeah. gets here. <laughs> so in these chapters, John gives clear indications of what true salvation, you know, it becomes evident yes. in a person's life, in the life of a believer. There's evidence of true salvation. And this is important because we live in a day you know, where everybody's vying for their own truth. Well, this is what I think God is like, and my God would never do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, here's what I believe that I see in the word of God, and I believe this, but I don't believe that. And, you know, all roads lead to God. Everybody in the end is going to be saved. I mean, you hear a lot of things like this. Yeah. And people can say a lot of things. They can have a lot of opinions, and don't we know it? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just social media, it's like, it's flooded with opinions. But First John writes that there are some specific evidences of true salvation. Yeah. And this is important that we know it, that we just look at ourselves and go, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on that path. And he uses these contrasts, and when you read this book, yes. between light and darkness, he'll say, or, or truth, this is truth, and if, this, if you're not walking in the truth, then it's a lie. He talks about children of God, children of the devil, love for the Father, love for the world. He keeps using these contrasts, like right. Christ and Antichrist. And the contrast, that when we read through these chapters, helps to show the difference between a true follower of Christ and somebody who might say, well, I know Jesus, which is what these people in that day were doing, uh, but they weren't actually born of God. Right. And some of them directly and openly opposed Christ. And so there are evidences. There are evidences that will be revealed in the life of a true believer. And, and we should know them, actually. We really, we should. We should know them. And so that we can judge ourselves, see where our progress is. You know, not anybody is born again who is completely mature. We are all on a path. We're all growing. And so you cannot expect somebody who's just getting saved today to know what somebody has been walking with Christ for 10, 15 years. You cannot expect it them. But... Uh, for instance, going back, one of the things that would be an evidenced in your life is found in chapter 1, and it's verse 8. And it's, it says that John makes a point that a, a true believer has now has an awareness of sin. Has an awareness of sin. We have an awareness of sin now. And it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Truly, an unsaved person is not concerned about sin. <laughs> Unless there's some difficult consequences that when they get caught, and then that's just a little hiccup in their life, so to speak. They're, they're not worried about uh, lingering guilt or shame, anything like that. They're just head down, continuing on, 
Or they're going to be, say, real slough it off real easy. Well, nobody's perfect. We've, maybe we've said that. <laughs> Another way is, is that some, it'll be blame shifting. It'll be, well, look at that guy. Look at that guy. Look at that guy. You know, and I'm not as bad as them, uh, so I'm okay. It, it, that's not it. Uh, the person who is truly born again has salvation, has a heightened sense of your own sin, of your own sin. There, this is, uh, you know, this is different from salvation because at salvation, it's our recognition that, you know what, I'm, I stand before a holy God and I'm not holy. And I have actually rebelled against him in many ways, thought, word, and deed. And so I stand before him guilty and condemned. But yet he's offering us salvation and forgiveness of our sins. That's not what we're talking about here. This is as we are born again. We come to the recognition that, you know, boy, that old thought pattern is not right. The, the way of this habit I'm, is not right. You know, the way I, I respond to people is not right. So we, we're finding these things out as we're growing in Christ. You know, the, <laughs> when you're born again, that's not the last time you deal with sin. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so what is happening here is we find out in First John is that he's, he's bringing us into a mature character of Christ. And the Holy Spirit will slowly refine the way we think, our attitudes, our responses. And so it's important for us when we get pricked by the Holy Spirit in any area that we repent, that we confess, I see, Lord, this is sin. This isn't right. This is not who I re- you've made me to be. This is not part of our kingdom. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, right? You're born again. And so now what we're doing is discovering who we are in Christ. Again, like Pastor Mamie said, this is God's story, but we're involved. We're tightly united with him. So we're discovering who we are as new creations. And so when you think about that, we have a new awareness of sin that with that comes, we have this on the screen, the, the regenerated heart of a true believer ha, has new desires. That's like what Pastor Steve's talking about. It's like we have new desires to walk towards God yeah. and move away from sin. And that comes, why does that come? Because the Holy Spirit comes to dwell on the inside of you. Come on. And this isn't just about salvation. Like it's not, salvation isn't just like my fire insurance, my ticket to heaven. It's about lordship. Yeah. And so as the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, he's prompting us to work out our salvation to go towards God. So this is natural. If a person's really born of God, then the regenerated heart of a true believer has some new desires developing. They don't all just come overnight. Come on. But as slowly along the way, we see some new desires developing to obey God's commands. And so the unsaved person, we could say, well, they're not interested in God's commands. It's like, don't tell me about God. I don't really want to hear about it. (laughs) But the saved person has a desire to please God. Might be faint at first, 
but it's there. And it's, it's 1 John 2, 4 says this, if someone claims, I know God, you know, but doesn't obey God's commandments, this is John talking, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Like, that's kind of ouch. <laughs> I mean, here's this contrast, you know, between truth and a lie. Come on. Are you a truth teller or are you a liar? Like, wow, John. He doesn't say you're telling a lie. He says you're living a lie. There if you, you say, I know God, but I don't really care about his commandments. I'm by the, you might not say I don't really care about his commandments, but, commandments, but it's by the way we live. Yep. It's by our priorities that yep. we pretty much are saying, I don't care about God's commandments. And again, this is pretty strong. Amen. But the word of God is like this. Yeah, it's sharper than... It, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it says in Hebrews. The Word of God is living and sharp and active like a two-edged sword. It pierces into the heart. So it's natural for these things to, like, hit our heart and go, oh, like, and judge ourselves on it. Right. And sometimes we need this because we've been living in the world and our mindsets have been, you know, on the world and so the word of God has this way of piercing into our mind and our heart. And, and, and then it's awakened. These yes. things need to become really awakened on the inside of us. Because, like I say, we can all be pretty dull. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> so John's making it pretty plain right here. And we, we do need to hear it often this way. True. Verse 5 along there, it says, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Well, see, this is how we show God that we, we love him. That is how we know we're living in him. Verse 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And we mm -hmm. talked some about this last week. Uh, but it's so important. This is why it's so important for new believers, especially to get into a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church with other believers around them. To get around other people who've gone before you a little bit further. And they understand how it yep. is at the beginning. And they, they can share with you some of their own struggles and how they've come to know Jesus better. And, and what you go through. Our hearts need to be awakened to these new desires. To things of the kingdom. And, and we're just really proud of the parents who yes, came and amen. did that this morning. To stand before the church and make a public statement you know, before God, that I want to teach my children the ways of God. That takes courage. Yes. And we're, we're proud of you for doing it. That's and right. And we're here as a church to help people, to help families do that. You know, I believe that, like this morning, God's smile is on you. He's like, going, you're, you're going in the right direction. Amen. And so it's okay. Like when we first start out, we don't know anything, and we need these desires awake, and it's normal and okay to start out unaware and uninformed about the things of God, it's, it's, it, we all did. Yes. But what isn't okay is to just stay that way. Because we're meant to grow. <laughs> you know, I could remember when we first started to attend a Bible-believing, like a Bible-teaching church, a spirit-filled church that taught the Bible. I had no idea about the Bible. I grew up Catholic and then... Lutheran. Became Lutheran, and, you know, it's similar to Catholic, but I, I had no idea about the Bible, except what I heard little snippets, like on a Sunday morning mass, where they would have a little snippet of a gospel and a snippet of an e, uh, of epistle and, and maybe talk something around it. But I never read a Bible. I'm sure we had, we had some big thick one at our home, but it was somewhere on a shelf somewhere. And 
like this thing. <laughs> no one was reading the Bible. Uh, I never attended a prayer meeting. You prayed at church. You made responsive prayers, but never, never went to a prayer meeting. And, you know, like, God forbid, pray out loud in front of people. It was like, no. <laughs> never served in the church. You know, all of it was just brand new when we went into this church it was like whoa this is completely different than what i'm used to because serving in the church was never promoted right you know i had never known that scripture says as believers that we each have been given a gift you've been you've been gifted by god each person in the body of christ to be to be used to serve other people to help advance the kingdom grow the kingdom you know i didn't realize that god wanted me to become a disciple and help make other disciples until I began right. to read the Bible and mixed it up, rubbed elbows with people who said, hey, this is what the Bible says. And so you have to just begin somewhere like that. And that the Bible calls people to become a disciple. You know, in my mind, a disciple was like, whoa. If I heard the word disciple, it somehow meant like you're cloistered off away in some deep, you know, you're studying the you're a disciple. But the Bible actually says that every believer is a dis, called to be a disciple. Right. Did you know? You know, if you've given your life to Christ, you're called to be a disciple. And a disciple is just simply somebody who's a learner. Yes. A student of their master. And Jesus' word is, is our ma you know, he's our master. And so we just become learners of him. And it's so important that our hearts get awakened to these truths. And that we hear the word taught. Yes. And that we regularly fellowship with other believers. There's just no other way really to grow healthy as a, as a child of God. That's right. Except that way. And there's, there's if it, the inward, you know, that's where you're born again. You're born in your spirit. And the Holy Spirit will bear witness or he'll prompt you to do these things because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you. Now, he's not going to drive you to do things. He's going to woo you into the kingdom and to what things, that, you know, and when we do those things, honestly, it bears, it comes down. First John, he'll tell you, when, when we do those things, that's some of the evidence that you are born again. It's a, you're hungry for the thing. It's an evidence that Jesus is your Lord. You're no longer ruling your life and doing the way in life the way you have been in the past. Now you surrendered lordship to Jesus Christ. And those are really clear distinctions of a, of a believer. You know, after we have given our life to Christ and then we look at our lives and judge ourselves and there's no evidence of it, you're still basically living for the world. Like the Bible says, for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, if you don't have any desire to read the word, no desire to pray, no desire to worship God, and join with other believers, I'll tell you what, you need to check up on yourself because I believe that you're, you're not saved. Because the Holy Spirit is drawing you to do these things. It's the one who is greater in you than the world. But you have to cooperate with him. He's not going to make you do anything. He's not your mom. 
He's be, not your mom. Be good to your moms today. <laughs> yeah, kids. <laughs> Husbands. You know, look at, uh, this is going to be on PowerPoint. First John chapter 2, verse 15. If we just are hanging in the world and just maintain and stay there, look what John says. He says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father's not in him. That's straight up. It's, There's that contrast again, love of the Father, love of the world. Yeah. You know, according to, to 1 John, and really it's echoed throughout Scripture, there's going to be evidence in your life that you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. Where you've made Jesus the leader of your life, you're discovering his way on how to lead him, what's valuable, what's important. This is when you know Jesus is your Lord, not just your Savior. A lot of people want him to be their Savior, but they don't want him to be their Lord. But they're both the same package. And so that's what we've got to come to the understanding of. We're going to judge ourselves and look at the life that we're living and say, well, I got to find this out. One thing is, is that we started at the beginning, the Holy Spirit we're, we're born again. We're going to be more sensitive to when we do wrong. And that's a good thing. It, conviction is not condemnation. Okay? Conviction is good. Condemnation is bad. <laughs> the Bible declares, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, we ought to just say thank you and agree with him. Yeah, that was wrong, Lord. <laughs> that was wrong. In these five chapters, we're going to find a lot in them to apply in our lives. And so we're, we're going to take a look at uh, chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. There's a lot in just these two verses. <laughs> yes, and actually it, it deserves a whole series uh, about the end times, uh, the events that are leading up to the end time, the delusion that God sends on the world. There's, there's many, many deeper things to look at, and we'll put, when the Holy Spirit directs us, we'll, we'll put one together, and it'll be... Uh, uh, surprise because you and I, are, we're living in the last days right now. The last of the last days. And First John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Here's John. This is written about 2,000 years ago. If he says he was in the last hour, we're in the last minutes. The Bible declares that with God, a 1,000 years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. So it's important to understand God's time clock. 
But we believe that we really are in the last days because of the chaos on the earth, the out and out straight up lies that uh, are happening all over the world. It's like what John says, is if you've heard that Antichrist is coming, that's an individual. There are many Antichrists out now, but the Bible declares that there will be one individual who is the man of lawlessness. And if you look at the events in the Middle East and you see what's happening here in America, uh, the stage is really set for this to happen. And uh, this man will come on the scene as somebody who has answers for many, many different problems. He's going to be extremely smart. He's going to be very strategic in military operations. Uh, Daniel describes him pretty clearly. But uh, we've got to understand that he comes in as a peaceful leader. He comes in, signs a peace treaty, the world's at peace. Then three and a half years later, he breaks that. He, he just comes to a place where he's bringing destruction all over the earth. And that uh, he sets himself up in the temple in Jerusalem and he declares he's God. And he forces everybody... Uh, great and small, to take a mark to buy or sell and to worship him. So we've got to be aware of this Antichrist. We have to be aware of the signs of the time that we're living in because all it's going to do is strengthen our faith. These people who are doing these things only proves the Bible true. And so the key is, is if follow what the word says. And we're going to be all right. Amen. So in the, the, the meantime, that, of course, before the Antichrist, like John said, wrote, as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, that's like sort of the capital A, the, the, the man, the personage of the Antichrist, that many, so now many, though, have been at work in the world. Obviously, he wrote this, you know, right at the beginning of the church, some 50 years after the church began. So many Antichrist spirits, yeah. have the church has weathered against a lot of Antichrist spirits for 2,000 years. Right. Uh, and he's referring here when he's writing, we said this at the very beginning, you know, he's, he's dealing with people that believed in Gnosticism and some other, you know, false teachings that, that had infiltrated the church within the first 50 years. Yeah. And so he's saying that the Antichrist spirit is working inside of the church. And to explain Gnosticism just very simply is just to say that these were people that came into the church. Mm -hmm. It looked like they were born again. It looked like they wanted to belong to the family of God. They even became teachers in the church, obviously. But then they were teaching and denying that Jesus actually came as God in the flesh, that he was a good man, but he was a human. He was not God in the flesh, that he did not resurrect from the grave. So in that sense, they were denying the lordship of Jesus, yes. which would be denying the word of God that was being written and circulated to the churches, like this is how we know God. Jesus is the word of God. And they were also fond of teaching uh, that a person can sin without consequences, really, spiritually, because the flesh is evil, it's going to do evil things. What's most important is this 
knowledge, this, right. this spiritual knowledge that you had. And so they were per permissive about immoral behavior. And of course, you can imagine, you have teachers in the church doing this, people are getting deceived, they're getting mixed up, and it's leading people astray. And then these false teachers, like if they would just move on, well, then people would just go, well, I don't know, I'm going to go on with them. They seem to know what they're talking about. Right. Uh, and Jesus himself warned about this. Like we have this on PowerPoint, Matthew 7, 15. This is Jesus talking about, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And the apostle Paul wrote this in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 29. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. Mm -hmm. So these things to divide, separate, confuse, deceive the people of God, the flock of God, the sheep of God, is the work of an antichrist spirit. And it's ultimately Satan is behind it. Right. To, get, to draw people away, to help people to doubt God, to go in opposition to God. And so John, you know, writes that they went out from us, but they were not of us. So these people, like I said, had come into the church and seemed as though, well, they're, they're children of God. But see, and then John writes in these letters, but here's how you tell a child yeah, of yeah. God versus a child of the devil. You can, when you read all five chapters, you begin to understand what he's addressing here. Because as they fellowshiped together, it became apparent that what some of these people were promoting and teaching was not the true gospel. Yes, and John wanted them to know the truth. And so he writes this letter, and he's describing the characteristics. Here's how you can know that you have eternal life. Here's how you know a person really knows and loves Jesus. And yeah. that's why he goes, they, they obey his commands. You know, but, remember the first chapter, John's writing about the word of life. He's saying that uh, he existed from the beginning. He says, I have seen him. My hands have handled him. I heard him. I've touched him. I had fellowship with him. John is saying, I know him. John lived with him for three straight years. He ate with him, walked with him on the way. He was with Jesus as he ministered to the sick. He saw miracles happen. When men and women were raised from the dead, he fed 5,000 people with just a fish and loaves. And John was saying, I know him. I was there at the cross. I was there. He appeared and taught us 40 days in his resurrected body. I know him. And John is saying, my fellowship was with the Father and with the Son. And what he is saying and in that scripture, he's saying, and I want you to have fellowship with us so that, yeah. and that we all have fellowship with the true Jesus. We are now, like he says, now you are a child of God. This goes back to what Pastor Mamie was saying at the beginning. Sometimes you doubt your Am I saved? I just sinned over here. Am I saved? And yeah, John wants you to know that you are now a child of God. You now have eternal life. It's glory to God right now. Not going to get it. You are right now. And John's saying that the fact that these people went out from us was bound to happen. It's, it's going to, leaving is the proof that they were not of us. 
John's referring to that specific heretical group that was teaching a false uh, doctrine. And he says, actually, this letter is really, in a sense, telling the people, says, it's actually a good thing that they left. It's healthy for our church because we're keeping pure doctrine. We're not going to the left. We're not going to the right. We're staying true down the narrow path to the word of God. And really, the only way these false teachers left was because John the Apostle, he had authority and he was the shepherd of that church and he was not afraid to confront error. And he wanted these, because these letters, we call them books of the Bible, but they circulated to the early church as letters that were meant to be read to these house churches and various churches that were established. So he wanted the elders and he wanted the believers Mm -hmm. to know the characteristics of a true follower of Christ. And then these under shepherds, the elders and pastors, you know, the churches would be confident to be able to tell the flock and know how to protect the flock, really, from the heresies. It's so true. That's why the church needs pastors who will be willing to protect the flock from error and false teaching. You know, there are so many ravenous wolves inside the church. And it has been going on since John was writing. However, there is a major increase in that right now. And we see whole denominations where these wolves are actually in charge of the denomination. They're promoting alternative lifestyles which are clearly renounced in Scripture. They're not following the Word of God. And that's why... People are scattered. Sheep are scattered all over the place. Sheep have been giving up on church. You know, they don't think they need a church family. They, they don't. Another one is they don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be corrected. They don't really want to pastor. They just want to come in and experience the presence of God and then kind of like, yeah, tell me how good I'm doing. <laughs> and then if you don't get that there, people move on to the next church. That's another sign of the end times is that people have itching ears. They gather all these teachers around so that they can hear what they want to hear. Sheep that they don't, the sheep don't know the word. Let's put it that way. That's why at this church, we're going to push you to read the word of God. We are saying that that is the book of life. That will keep you on the straight and narrow. That will cause you to be an overcomer in life. That will bring you the blessings of God. It will make secure your steps for sure because too many people are falling away that's another sign of the end times the great apostasy those people who used to believe are now stopping to believe I'm deconstructing my faith it's like you probably never had it at the beginning so this is, this is really important to you to understand we're a bible believing church we're a Bible teaching church. And we promise that we will do our best to take a stand for the truth, teach you the truth, correct you with the truth, nurture you with the truth. Thank you, Dave. This is, it's a call of God on your life that you can't say no to. And we're responsible for your souls.
and we're willing to give you everything we know. Just like Paul's, pour my life out like an offering, like a drink offering. Because you matter to Jesus. You're actually his favorite. All of you. (laughs) Jesus is calling his bride to become without wrinkle, without a spot. And that takes effort on your part and our part. And it's so good for you and I to judge ourselves according to 1 John. Understanding that God himself dwells within you. Helping you walk in purity. Helping you be refined into that bride without spot or wrinkle. And then the Bible declares that when we finish our course and we've stayed steady, he's going to give us a crown of life. A crown of life given to us by God Almighty. Bow your heads. First way to to even have a future like what we describe is going through Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly states there's no other name that's been given among men that people can be saved by, and that's Jesus Christ. It's good, it's important to check yourself. Do you have evidence that you're a believer? Do you? Jesus is offering his love to you right now if you'll just accept it. That your sins can be forgiven. You can be born of his spirit. Your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. So the Holy Spirit is here. And he's inviting anyone with the sound of our voice to receive him. Receive forgiveness of sin. Receive him as Lord and Savior. Is there anybody in here today? And just really by a raise of your hand, all it is is an act of faith towards God. And it's even telling yourself, like, I'm doing this. Anybody in here today wants to give their life to Christ. I see that hand. Glory to God. Don't be nervous about this. Don't even be afraid about this. Because if you let this pass by, you'll be in hell and you'll raise both hands and both legs. But it'd be too late. But all heaven rejoices, you know, when one person repents and gives their life to Christ. It's a joy to Jesus to write your name in his book. And we receive salvation simply by faith. We cannot do anything to earn our salvation. Jesus offers it to us as a gift. And so we open up our heart to respond to that gift. And we pray a simple prayer because it's by grace we're saved through our faith. And this is not of yourselves. Scripture says it's from God. And so we should we pray? Jesus, if you raise your hand, maybe just everybody pray together, and especially you who raised your hand. 
Jesus. Jesus. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I make you Lord and Savior. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Of my life. Help me. Help me to walk with you. To walk with you all the days. All the days of my life. Of my life. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.